You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Hoopers family. Today, we are back with another post-game wrap. Unfortunately, it is after another Minnesota Timberwolves loss. They went down 125-122 in overtime to the San Antonio Spurs. It's not quite the blowout that we've that we've got used to over the last month or you know three or four weeks, but it it was another loss and if you haven't listened to these these post game podcasts before you you won't know that we just go through the good and the bad and and you know I hit on a couple of notes uh, in either column there we always start with the bad and and end the end the pod on a on a positive note and that's I'm just getting straight into it that's the first thing that I, I wanted to mention in the in, as a negative note and it's pretty simple but this team just keeps losing and no amount of moral victories are ever going to stack up to an actual real victory. Tonight was clearly better. It was nice watching a fourth quarter and an overtime period that actually had some meaning and some competitive spirit to it, but it's a loss nonetheless. And in some ways, it's almost as frustrating as the previous blowouts because this one was absolutely winnable and it felt like it could have been a shift to a different mentality around the team. It's only one game. But three, you know, three wins and six losses sounds a lot better than two wins and seven losses, and that's just how it is. And Minnesota will be kicking themselves tonight that they let that one get away from them. Uh, I think this could be wrong, but I think I'd suggest that Towns is out tomorrow on the back-to-back against the Spurs again, and we know how this team plays without him. So, you know, you can almost pencil in two and eight uh, going, you know, heading into the to the back-to-back against the Memphis Grizzlies. Two and eight in the in the tough West is almost certainly death to the to the playoff hopes, or at least, you know, they're on their deathbed, and it's getting dangerously close close to death to the tenth seed hopes just to get into into the playing games. So, it really was a tough one tonight. Uh, I think there was a lot more positives than than there have been over the last few you know six seven games. Uh, I think that. There was also some things that really need to get ironed out, but but it was just a tough one to lose, and I think one that Minnesota will probably be kicking themselves that they lost for a little while. Um, moving on to to the second negative note, and for me that was the coaching tonight. I've been more critical of of Ryan Saunders' coaching on Twitter probably than I have here on the podcast, but tonight it, it's it's damn near impossible for me to overlook Saunders' night. To be honest, um, to be fair. He isn't the first guy, and he certainly won't be the last guy to get outcoached by Greg Popovich. Uh, clearly, you know, a Hall of Fame coach, one of the greatest to ever do it, and not someone who you should take any shame in 
being outcoached by. But on the other hand, there was some just some glaring obvious mistakes from from Ryan's and I that really dug the Wolves a hole. Um, obviously, the most important one and the most obvious one is that last play of the game. And, and no, I'm not absolving Anthony Edwards of any blame there. Um, turning down the semi-open three-point shot to drive the seam and try to kick to another shooter was a boneheaded rookie mistake and one that could easily have been avoided. But you've just got to take a timeout, man. Like, you don't need to put Ant in that situation. Not when Towns, Russell and Beasley are all on the court and all still in the backcourt pretty much with with virtually no chance to be involved in a, in a three-point shooting action. Uh, to me, that's... That's simple coaching basics. Uh, I understand that some have opposing views to that, and I, and I think that there's good points to be made about, you know, the points per possession in in transition rather than after timeouts, and the fact that that having Rubio and, and Russell on the floor allows you to to get out quick out of out of rebounds and and get into good actions. But I just think that when you have the fourth quarter evidence of what a Russell and Towns pick and roll or pick and pop can produce, um, you know, you have to go back to that. You have to find a way to be able to get back to that. And that way was to run a time, to call a timeout and to, to run that straight out of the timeout with around 10 seconds left. So you, you saw Russell thread that bounce past the Towns for that huge three in regulation. And then straight after that, Russell calls his own number off a ball screen and, and hits that big three to... Virtually, you know, send the game into overtime after the, the, you know, DeMar DeRozan hit a couple of free throws after that. Uh, maybe the final play of regulation was on Saunders' mind because that was the, the very basic double drag into a Towns pop that crumbled when D'Angelo Russell essentially rejected the screen and, and kind of threw the whole play for a loop. But more often than not, that Towns and, and Russell screen action can come, is going to come up with a good look. Or at least it gives you a, a good chance to get a good look, especially um, in the th- as a three-point shot for, for Towns. And if not, you know, when a defense collapses on the Towns, he can he can move the ball in that kind of swing-swing action. So I just think call a timeout. <laughs> that's that's pretty much the bottom line here. Is I'm not sure why Saunders didn't call a timeout. I don't know why he allowed a team that's been notoriously unorganized this season to try and win a game off their own back and, and without structure in place for them. And then, I yeah, I, I, I don't see the, the logic in it. I know some do. I don't blame anyone for seeing that logic, but but personally, I can't get there. Um, outside of that, I think, well, Juancho Hernan Gomez played far too many minutes again tonight. Obviously, Hernan Gomez himself is a pretty big problem right now. And, you know, some of that isn't on Ryan Saunders, like, Hernan Gomez has had one good game out of the nine that they've played, and that's just not good enough. No matter the contract, no ma- you know, no matter that he got twenty one million dollars over the off season, obviously that does play play a big part when we when we discuss it. But nonetheless, he hasn't been good, irrespective of contracts. Um, and I understood at the start of the season, Lehman and and. Wancho was kind of their only options at the four there, but with the emergence of Jared Vanderbilt, I just don't get why you're riding Wancho for an eight-minute stretch in the third where he was disastrous on both ends the entire time, and then you sub him back into the game a few minutes into the fourth quarter. I know they ended up going small not long after that, but that was probably because they just couldn't survive at all. 
with one child on the floor. And I just don't get it. Uh, Vanderbilt plays 12 minutes on the night. He brings the same energy and the same you know non-box score mentality as he always does. But he has 11 minutes less than Wancho, who looked no threat to impact the game. As, as a scorer, as a defender, as a playmaker, no energy as usual, and just a just a really sour note on a on a game that I thought was pretty well played by most players out there. Um, if we're being honest, I think there's some some minor areas around the margins where Saunders was pretty bad as well tonight. But I think I could probably ramble on forever about uh, some of the things he's done wrong this season and specifically tonight. But We'll move on to this this third negative note, and this was a bit of a a bit of a niche one, I think. And that's I just I have written in front of me is Jared Culver's wandering hands, uh, which kind of is is a strange little heading for this. But but all in all, I thought I thought Culver played pretty well tonight, especially on the offensive end. He's clearly stuffed that three point shot away for good, and for better or worse, he only plans on taking them when he's wide wide open. But Culver cuts well, and his craft and finishing around the rim seems to be improved a ton from last season. He he puts his body into guys and gets that little flip shot off. He had the the one tonight where he kind of got a guy on his back and, and pump faked and got them to foul and got got the ball up on the rim and almost had the, the hoop and the harm. That's really crafty veteran moves that took him a little bit of time to to get under his belt and to really master, and I thought he, he's been good with that. But... I'm not here to talk about the good things, really. When I when I talk about you know Jarrett Culver, and and what bothered me tonight, and that's that with the Cody out, he's the guy they have they they have the most trust in to initiate to guard initiators and to guard wings and and big scoring wins. Tonight it was Demarza Rosen, and and the same problem cropped up for Culver. Uh, he's far too handsy and far too reactionary on these tough covers. The Rosen had 38 points tonight. Um, Torched Culver, torched everyone pretty much that, that got in his way. But it's 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 Culver who has the responsibility to at least make him work a little bit harder. And I know it's not easy to match up with these scoring genius type of wings, but Culver is making it so much harder on himself by constantly trying to f- force a turnover rather than just force a tough shot. In the end, it, it leads to fouls and, and to free throw trips, and it's by the, it's that swipe down. It's that swipe down on the on the arm and, and trying to knock the ball away when when DeRozan or whoever is driving uh, rather than just staying in front of him and trying to make him make a tough look. And sometimes DeRozan and, and any other really good wing in this league is going to make those shots, but but he's definitely going to make free throws. And tonight, he, he just swiped down on, on DeRozan far too often, including the one at the end of regulation that tied the game and, and sent it into overtime. DeRozan finished with 13 free throw attempts which is just way too many freebies. Before tonight, Culver had his hand caught in the cookie jar relentlessly against Jamal Murray, Bradley Beal as well. I think Culver has all the makings of a really good point of attack defender, but he needs to he needs to find some discipline when defending these guys when they're driving. The team says, you know, solid is enough defensively, right? Well, solid is staying in front of someone and getting a hand up in their face, and we know Culver can do that. Trying to pry the way, trying to pry the ball away every time, and trying to make that home run play—that's not solid. That's the hail mary. You can't run the hail mary every time down. Culver needs to be better in that area. He he really does. I think tonight it was very obvious that 
it, he's it's a little bit of impatience. I think he wants to make that winning play, and I and I love that. I love that he wants to make the winning play because he hasn't been great this season. He's been better than last season, but he's a you know sixth overall pick. He wants to be he wants to live up to that reputation. But on de- on defense, especially in clutch time against great scorers who know how to get to the line and who know how to put defenders in jail. Uh, you can't be reaching, you can't be swiping down, you can't be trying to smash the ball away out of someone's hands, or else you're going to have opponents dropping 35 on your head every night. And that's what Beal did, that's what Murray did in that first game against Denver, that's what DeRozan did tonight. It's it's a nitpicky thing, I think, but it's also something that has been building up in my mind for multiple games now. I just don't think that's good enough from Culver. And I know Cody will be back shortly, and he he will probably take most of those really hard matchups, but Culver's still going to be out there and having to guard guys who, who want to drive and who are looking to exploit handsy defenders. And he he needs to be better. He needs to uh, find some discipline and, and really, you know, lock in on just, on just being solid. Uh, let's have a quick little break and then we'll get into the good stuff of the night. Definitely more good stuff tonight than there has been previously. So, um, hoping for, for a little bit of fun there. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right. We are back. Pain Points Pod post-game wrap. And we're into the good stuff of the night. And obviously, it was still a loss, but there was one thing that stood above the rest tonight as as a prevailing positive, and that's Carlton Towns. Uh, first, it was great to see Cat announced to play tonight, uh, even more so in hindsight after he said that he was told by doctors that he was going to miss six to eight weeks. Then it was it was great to see Cat on the floor smiling and laughing to start the game, uh, and throughout the game he he seemed to have a smile on his face a lot, which is obviously something that we haven't seen a lot from him. Uh, I don't need to tell you guys that are listening to this what he's been through and, and overcome these past twelve months. So just seeing him having fun playing basketball is extremely dope to me. <laughs> and lastly, and more importantly. It was damn good just seeing Carl Towns out there balling out, man. Uh, to be honest, I think he was balling out at a level that I that I don't think he's ever reached before previously. He finishes with 25 points, 13 boards, 4 assists, 3 blocks on 9 of 17 from the field and, and 2 of 3 from behind the arc. But his presence goes so much further than just those Gordy numbers. He played 3 games this season, obviously. And I don't think his defense has ever been as good as it has for these three games. It's absolutely a notch or two or three or four above what we've come to expect from him. That was no different tonight. He was very active, but but more importantly, very disciplined around the rim. He gets the three blocks to satisfy that box score hunger. But he affects countless shots and, and does it all while staying in position when he needs to and making every effort to grab a rebound to end defensive plays, which... 
I bang on about so often and how important it is to get rebounds. Minnesota out-rebound San Antonio tonight, which has got to be... I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's got to be one of the first times they have all season. Uh, it ended 53-48 to 48 Minnesota's way. They just haven't been able to get rebounds without Towns. Uh, Nas Reed's not a prolific rebounder like Cat is, so it was it was great to see that. And then offensively, he's just so impactful. He he worked Marcus Aldridge in the post all night, whether it was probing the middle and hitting those soft little baby hooks, whether it was spotting up out of the pick-and-pop actions for triples, or whether it was demanding double teams out of the post and finding shooters. He was elite in every aspect tonight. There's... There's a reason why Malik Beasley, you know, outside of just being an occasional flamethrower that can go off at any time, Malik Beasley has a season-high 29 points tonight. And that's because Towns' gravity is a godsend for him. Beasley was often the pressure valve shooter that, benef- that benefited from Towns' post-ups or, or just someone who, who found space out of in a five-out offensive set because Towns was just constantly drawing attention from more than one defender. I just think that tonight you saw exactly what Minnesota miss without Towns, especially offensively. They've they obviously had major defensive issues um, with without Towns, but they were also 24th uh, in offensive efficiency. That, so it's not like they were still cruising offensively. They were struggling on both ends. And, and what Towns brought you tonight was obviously the, the still surprising injection of, of defensive presence, but the very much expected injection of offensive presence and whether he's scoring, whether he, when, even when he's just standing there at the top of the key and he doesn't touch the ball, what Towns does is open up the floor for everybody else. And that's exactly what he did tonight. You saw it from the first minute, how much more free-flowing the offense was. And then, you know, the trickle-down effect is that D'Angelo Russell can have 16 points on, on 17 of 22 shooting and it doesn't completely derail the team. Uh, they obviously want Russell to play better. Uh, I think he needs to play better. He he hit some massive shots. He hit that huge three to to tie to take the lead late in the game. But what Towns does is allow Jancho Russell to be a second, you know, second stringer, a second option. And second options are allowed to have quieter nights, and the team can still compete. And that's what Russell did tonight, and the team honestly probably should have won. And that's because just Cat was just everywhere. The The passing out of the post was so good. He's taken an, uh, another step, big step, uh, in it as a passer after he took an, after he took a big step last season. Uh, so I thought that was really impressive. I just think that Towns opens up so much for this team, and it's just so nice to have him back. As I said, I, I'd be surprised if he plays the back-to-back. He looked like he was in pain tonight. He was clearly pushing through the pain. Uh, I think you can put those Towns' soft narratives to bed right now, if you hadn't already. And But when he does come back and when he starts to play every game and starts to play more consistently and some of that pain starts to go away, he's going to be a beast, man. And, and I just hope that they haven't um, fallen too far behind in the standings for him to, to make an imprint on this season and in this Western Conference. But yeah, to put a bow on it, I just I just love Towns' game tonight, and I've and I've loved each of his three games thus far this season. It's a different cat, and and it's a better cat. Moving on, point number two for the positive side, keeping that big man theme going. 
I thought Nas Reed was a huge factor in Minnesota being able to stay afloat tonight and especially while Towns rested, obviously, playing the backup five. I feel like I talk about Nas a lot here, but I really do think that the bigs are super important on this team that, that clearly emphasizes small ball. Uh, Nas only played 16 minutes, which I think is, is around perfect for him. It allows him to come in and do what he does and, and flash the shooting and a bit of the playmaking and the finishing, you know, and that, that crisp footwork. But it allows him to do that without being overexerted or forced to bang against starting caliber centers. In those 16 minutes, he dropped 16 points, 7 boards, 3 blocks on, on 6 of 8 shooting and, and 3 of 4 from behind the 3-point arc. Even with Towns injured and laboring, there's still a pretty clear drop-off in you know energy and, and effectiveness when Cat takes a breather. And tonight, this team was able to stay in the game because Nas backed him up by just breathing fire into the game. I thought Reed did a pretty good job. Uh, sorry, a pretty poor job in, in Cat's absence uh, in, in the six games that Cat missed. And a lot of that has to do with him being a second-year player who went undrafted and it was only 18 months ago and now he's a starting center against really good guys and, and guys who are just way more experienced and stronger and better than him every night. But tonight, he, he reminded us why the front office and the coaching staff, they, they love him and they love him especially when he's in that optimal role as a, as a backup five. His shot seems to be finding its feet a little bit, which... It's a good thing he's talked all season that he hasn't felt the rhythm on his three really at all. Uh, tonight, like I said, three or four. The shot looked crisp. It looked clean. Um, obviously helps when he's getting set up and, and got a few really open looks from, from good ball movement. He's also made huge strides athletically, obviously, which has allowed him to, to be a better rim protector and his all-around feel for the game and defensive IQ seem to be getting better literally by the game. You can almost see them growing as he as he goes through the growing pains and he experiences more things and as he's thrust into more pick-and-roll defensive coverages. It's just, I think he's a quick learner, Nas, which maybe isn't something that I expected uh, coming into the season. So I'm excited to see Nas in this 15- to 18-minute backup role. And I think tonight was a, a really good step in that direction. All right, point three before we, we get out of here. That was, uh, this one might be a bit controversial, but I was really impressed with Anthony Edwards' mentality and, and perseverance tonight. He was bad in that first half. I think there's no two ways to put it. He, They were his worst minutes as a wolf in that first half. It was a half that was littered with bad shot, shot, uh, bad shot selection, turnovers, and some straight-up ball-hogging, man. Like He just seemed like he was intent on dropping 15 first half points and that you know came at the expense of smart shots and at getting looks for other players and at running a an effective and efficient offense and i think for many young players a half like that can kind of demolish their confidence and really write them off for the rest of the night either in the way that he just keeps pressing and keeps trying to do the wrong things in order to get himself going a little bit in the box score or in a way where he just goes into his shell and you know, you kind of get a little bit of that, that Jarrett Culver disease where when things aren't going right for him, he, he compounds it by uh, not being aggressive anymore and not trying to do the things that he's being told to do. Uh, and that's that's the thing with Ant is that his confidence is in what he does and in his abilities is one of his best traits. 
and credit where credit's due to Ryan Saunders. He does a really good job of letting the leash loose and then tightening it up when he needs to with when things start to go awry for Ant. Um, tonight, I thought he did. I thought he did a good job of that. Instead of gluing him to the bench or sticking him in the corner where he's where he's not going to get a touch again for the for the rest of the night, Saunders goes back to the well in the in the third quarter when when Ant comes back in. He obviously makes the crucial mistake at the end and in the second half, but I thought he was brilliant before that. He started he started it by coming off stringing actions and getting downhill to create his own looks at the rim. Then when the defense started crowding him and trying to take those shots away, he just started making plays for others. He he started taking what the defense gave him, and that was the, the drive and dish to Nas at the top of the tee for a wide-open look, and then the drive and dish to Nas in the corner for a wide-open look for, for a huge three. As I said, Nas has been struggling a little bit with his three-point shot this season, and, and I'm sure that makes him feel good. I'm sure he's probably going to you know, buy Anthony Edwards dinner tonight because there's no better way to get your three-point look going by getting two wide, wide-open shots from, from really good plays. Uh, and I thought Edwards had one or two more that won't go down as assists because of missed shots, but he was really smart about his passing. And to his credit, after that, he didn't stop shooting. He could have and maybe probably should have after that first half. But he has that elite scorer's mentality. He attacks the rim on numerous occasions in that third and fourth quarter. Then he hits the, the huge three late in, in regulation that just shows that clutch gene is definitely evident in him. And then, you know, the last play happens. And I'm gutted for Ant that he fluffed that last play because for the for the mental fortitude and the very non-rookie approach to a bad start, I would have been thrilled to see him rewarded with another clutch play or at least, you know, with something that's not going over and going down as a as a crucial turnover. But nonetheless, I was impressed again with Ant. And there hasn't been many times this season where I haven't been. And that doesn't mean I think that he's a superstar or that he should be getting more minutes or that he should be, you know, in the starting lineup. Because honestly I don't think any of those things. But I'm impressed by him and I'm he continues to exceed my expectations for what I thought would be a really, really rough rookie year as he as he learnt the ropes of the NBA. And t- tonight he definitely learned some ropes of the NBA. He learned he won't make that mistake again, where he where he drives the seam instead of you know just shooting that three or or dunking the ball and getting the ball back after free throws. Like he won't make that mistake again. I'm not. I think I'm more frustrated with Saunders in in that sense than than Edwards. Uh, obviously, Ed- Edwards was a it was a goofy play, but you know these things happen and. I think that because of this, that mentality and that perseverance that I spoke about, it's not going to derail Anthony Edwards. He's not going to come in next game thinking about how he lost last game for the team or how, you know, he's worried about getting a turnover or worried about doing the wrong thing. Like, Anthony Edwards is just oozes confidence. <laughs> if you've heard him in a press conference or in an interview, you know that he oozes confidence. And I just think he's going to walk into the next game with the exact same mentality that he has had all this time, and that the the turnover at the end of the game isn't going to bother him, and that's that's huge for this team, and that, I think that's what you need from rookies. As I said, you, we saw that with with Culver, where that's that's really been a problem. That when the confidence issues start to seep into his head, it, it kind of just sends him a bit, you know, off the radar and, and off the rails, and he he can't he can't kind of seem to get back on those rails and to to start playing well again for for three four games. So. Uh, I'm impressed with Ant. I'm impressed mainly with it, that mentality. Uh, 
And I think that as much as tonight sucked, especially the way that way it finished for him, uh, I think he'll be fine. And, and I do think the, the Timberwolves are heading closer to find themselves. Still not there yet, but hopefully, hopefully Towns plays in this in this game. I'm sure if you're listening to this, the, the game's probably tonight for you. Uh, hopefully they can can beat the Spurs, but at least get one or two against Memphis and kind of snap this losing streak here and get things back on track here because tonight definitely looked closer to normal. It looked closer to competitive. Uh, and as D'Angelo Russell says, I think tonight they learned how to lose. They learned how to be in games and, and compete. And, and soon enough, I think those tight losses like tonight will, will turn into into wins and hopefully that's sooner rather than later so as usual thanks for stopping by thanks for for listening to my ramblings and hopefully next time we talk it'll be after a wolves win peace